From several top secret, possibly secure locations across South Texas, this is the Spurs Insider Podcast with a full crew again this week. I'm Mike Finger with Express News beat writer Jeff McDonald, who presumably has a polar pop. Tom Orsborne, who might have his salmon-colored coffee mug, and sports editor Nick Talbot. Uh, this, since we last talked to you a week ago, there have been four games in six days, and we have absolutely nothing to talk about, right, guys? Uh, it's a uh, it's it's a roller coaster ride for these Spurs, but they uh, they're acquitting themselves quite well, I think. Any, I mean, it seems like a lifetime of games. We we did two podcasts before the restart started, where we were talking about basically four and a half months of nothing, and now all of a sudden we've had a week of the Spurs going in thinking they weren't going to be competitive for this playoff spot, or it seemed it looked from the outside like that was a long shot. To all of a sudden they were front runners for about a half an hour. And now they're they're kind of back in the in the pack again. It has 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 it any of your expectations or kind of perceptions of what the objectives of this team are have, have they changed at all throughout this week, Jeff? Um, you know, I think so. I mean, because you you know the last time we saw the Spurs playing games that mattered. Um, they were sort of this slow plotting one-on-one DeMar DeRozan, one-on-one LaMarcus Aldridge type team, at least on the starting unit. And all that has been revamped. And um, now, uh, you know, I think A, that gives them a better chance to win in this bubble. And, and B, even when they're losing, they're competitive and uh, exciting. So like, you know, when I thought about what the Spurs were when this hiatus started, they seemed like they had no chance. Um, now that you see them on the floor in this new configuration, you feel like they do have a chance. And and all that said, it's not even the main goal of this restart for them um, to have a chance to win. They just want to um, be competitive and see what they've got in these young kids. And I think so far, uh, even though, I mean, they're two and two, and I think that's a, that's been a wild success on that, uh, on that end of things. It helps that uh, Memphis hasn't exactly performed at, at, in the bubble either, where they own, they're own four and they've, and they lost Jackson kind of opening things up for everyone that thought they had a shot or even a little bit of a shot. Well, it, I mean, Memphis wasn't even thought to be who they were chasing to start out. It, it right. seemed like the, just the pack was going to ch- chase for that ninth spot to, to have a chance to play Memphis in this new play-in configuration. And now it seems like both the eight and nine spots are open. Um, and like like Nick said, Jaron Jackson being out, that throws a whole new dimension into this. Uh, Portland playing well. Even you know Phoenix, who came in like the Spurs, thought to be an afterthought. Can you can you be thought to be an afterthought? That might be kind of ridiculous. The, the forethought but, uh, was that they were the afterthought. The forethought was that they were the afterthought. Yeah. Um, these teams are all kind of in it. And Jeff used the the terms earlier in his description of the first week as the Spurs looking what competitive and exciting. And who who, who would have thought that even forget the win loss record? The fact that they would look competitive and exciting, I think, is an accomplishment in itself. Yeah, exciting is not a word that has been used to describe them in, in a couple of years, for sure. 
I, and the way the West, the way the West is shaking out now, it's uh, as you mentioned, like there's more. There's an extra spot now that you're, that that is open for the playoffs, but there's more teams chasing it than we thought. It, I, I think it's down to like six teams vying for two spots, and I think that makes the whole thing uh, exciting as well. To to review, I think most people who are tuning into this fine Spurs Insider podcast are aware of what's happened over the last week. But but just to review, after the first two games, the Spurs actually controlled their entire NBA championship destiny. They went in from needing all kinds of help. And, and after, after winning the first two games, if they would have won the rest of their games, they would have been in the playoffs. Everything was in their control. A Kind of a heartbreaking loss against Philly, uh, where they made a huge comeback to, to take control of the game, being, be up by four in the final minute, and then that did not finish like they hoped. Um, and then a, a similar situation with who did they just play yesterday? Denver. Denver. Um, a, a nice rally in the second half. Things started to come together, but there is a flip side, as as Jeff kind of has pointed out in his Zoom interviews with Greg Popovich. Um, Tom's pointed out when you're playing the lineups the Spurs are playing, it's not all. Uh, strawberries and cream, like it's not all upside. There are some, um, there are some caveats, and one of those is that it's a small lineup, and you, it's it's easier to rebound when you're taller. That was that was, uh, to use my word from last week, trenchant. Like that's an excellent analysis. Yes. That you just that you just. I think I want to change basketball strategy forever with this revelation that it's easier to to rebound when you're taller. When Greg Popovich retires, you should put that on. That should be part of your interview when you interview for his job. They'll uh, hire you in a second. Guys. Yes. Have but, you ever thought but, about signing tall guys? Like that—that's—that's that's great. Well, I mean, and and this goes along with the um, idea that because that that lineup of basically four guards played so well in those first two games of of the restart. It was like, why didn't why didn't you do this all along? Why why wasn't this flip switched earlier? There, that's that's a valid question, but I I think that that first of all, some of the guys who are in that lineup probably benefited from. Uh, I think they're in better position to succeed now than they might have been in November. Uh, you also had a Lamarcus Aldridge issue earlier in the season where you couldn't just go to this because. LaMarcus and DeMar wanted to play a certain way. I mean, there's all kinds of uh, factors that go into choosing a lineup. Uh, obviously, this is working, but it also has drawbacks when, as Popovich pointed out yesterday post game, uh, you have Nikola Djokic and Michael Porter Jr. basically standing flat footed uh, around these guys in the, in the closing minutes, grabbing their own rebounds. Uh, there's. Again, there there are issues to deal with when you when you play this lineup, and the Spurs are seeing kind of both sides. Yeah, and Jokic yeah, they have, they had Rudy Gay good, guarding right? Jokic down the stretch yesterday. Like you, Rudy Gay right. was the five. Right, right. And I mean, when you're lamenting not having Drew Eubanks, who's been great in the restart, but when, when you when you wish you could get more minutes from him, when, and and that's like one of the guys you're depending on to be your big post interior guy. I mean, you, you know, you're you're kind of thin there, and I, with we don't bring any of this up, criticizing any of these guys, because basically everybody on the team has been playing 
at or above their expected levels. I can't think of anyone during the restart who you could point to and say, wow, they need more out of that guy. It seems like it's everything has gone well for just about everyone. I have, and, I have one. Do you want to, do you want to talk about one? Okay. Well, Jakob Pertl's been in like massive foul trouble like for several games. And that's <laughs> that's a problem when he's the only guy taller than seven foot on the entire roster. Okay, but Jakob Pertl also was one of the stars of the first two games. And right, I think right. I think if you if you had realistic expectations of what Jakob Pertl was gonna give oh, you. Oh, I did not. I did not. Well I'm I'm just I saying he was gonna be a star. Oh, okay. 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 What what okay. Let's be serious. <laughs> Um, he's had a murderer's row of uh, big men to face, and then another one coming up uh, tomorrow. Uh, so, but uh, we're taping yeah. this on Thursday, by the way, Friday. Yeah, yeah you're right. You're right. Which is it Thursday? To... It's like five a.m. or something. Why do we have to get up so early for this? I think because Ringo Starr um, has a gig at like lunchtime, and he needed. I didn't think rock stars got up before noon. What's well, going on? Ring, Ringo's aging. Ringo's aging. This is the so- sober Ringo. Ringo probably gets up several times during the course of, of an evening, I, I, w- I would assume. Um, but anyway, the, the yes, Jakob Pertl, if you, would have, if you would have guessed what he would have given you through the first four games of the restart and we gave you his stats and what he's done and how he's produced, I think that's he's, he's exceeded expectations. But he is in a situation where... He's he's basically the only post defender on the floor a lot of times, and it's hard to give him help when when the four guy is also guarding someone who's too big. Like didn't Derek White mention yesterday? At every position on the floor, they were guarding somebody bigger than them. Yes, all all five guys against Denver. So it's I mean, smart teams are going to go right at Pirtle early in a game and try to get him into foul trouble because then you get to Drew Eubanks, and then if you get him in foul trouble, you're into Rudy Gay playing the four. Or Tyler it's Zeller. Been, it's been bad matchups for him too. You say go right at 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 Jakob Pertl, but I mean Philadelphia is going to go to Embiid no matter who's guarding him. Right. You know Denver's going to go through Jokic no matter who's guarding. It's you know you're, he's also guarding some of the best. There aren't a lot of like dominant centers left in the NBA, but but um, it seems like poor Yak's getting them all here at once in Orlando. Yep. Yep. So. What are what are you guys' kind of reviews of not just how this this new look of the Spurs has performed, but just the the kind of the prognosis for uh, or predictions for how it how it could evolve or how it could continue, not only over these next four games, but is this something that they can kind of look to next season as well? Well, was, can I answer that a, with a question? Sure. What do you do with Lamarcus Aldridge? Yes. I think um, I had mentioned this maybe in a in the last podcast after the scrim after this lineup was unveiled in the scrimmages that um, Lamarcus could become the big guy in Pirtle spot, Pirtle off the bench, but I think you run into similar issues there and also in a weird way um Aldridge might not be as great of a fit as the only big guy in this lineup because mm-hmm. Jakob Pertl is. <laughs> well, yeah, it works because Jakob Pertl is just sort of this guy that doesn't need the ball, yes. uh, does all the dirty work, sets the screens. I mean, he's, he's just going to do the like what I think Pop used the term the other day. He does the cleanup duties, uh-huh. and that's not what you pay Lamarcus Aldridge for. So, 
to me, it's going to, it would be interesting. I mean, you're back to the same situation where you've got LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan in the same starting five, uh, both of them needing, needing shots. And DeMar's done a good job of fitting, fitting himself into the, this configuration in not taking as many shots, picking his spots better, saving it for the fourth quarter, that sort of thing. I don't, but I don't know. How, I don't know that LaMarcus can do that. So to me, that's going to be the interesting thing going into next year is if this is how you want to play, how does your highest paid player fit into that? Go ahead, Tom. Oh, I was just, I was just uh, thinking about the tweet that you had the other day uh, regarding pop after the Philadelphia game. Uh, you know, when he, it's been all about development, 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 and then, you know, they lose that close one to Philly and you, you could see how much he wanted to make the playoffs, you know, and uh, uh-huh. so I don't know what that has to do with going forward, but, um, you know, it's all very much still about winning with this franchise, of course. And uh, as you pointed out several times, Mike, and, you know, from a development standpoint, you look at, you got to constantly look at Keldon Johnson. I mean, what, what a uh, revelation he's been the way he's played. And, um, you know, that's, that's got to be a great sign for the future. This this gets into a point that a lot of people like to argue about um, across the NBA and, and especially kind of among um, Spurs fans over the past few years as to this either-or choice between development and winning. And the Spurs have always, I shouldn't say always, over the past few years since Kawhi Leonard left, have contended that winning is part of development and that you might as well, like there's no reason to just stop trying to win and start playing kids and saying that, okay, we're now turning off the, the try to win button and turning on the development for the future button. I think even when pop and Brian Wright and whoever else was giving interviews throughout the hiatus leading up to the bubble, saying we're all saying that this is all about development for us. Of course, they wanted to win. I mean, there, there, there's no Greg Popovich in in two decades of coaching this team has never not tried to win, and it, it, he just can't help himself. And you know, after that Philadelphia game, it was it was abundantly yes. clear that he he was just lamenting this missed opportunity and that they were right there if they win that Philly game they're 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 the favorites for the 8th seed right now probably and um you know it's we've covered a lot of ground in these just these last 5 minutes from from the future LaMarcus Aldridge to Keldon Johnson to what the Spurs are trying to do but i think the overarching theme here is that and, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like there's more positivity not only about the Spurs present, but their about their future than there there might have been um, a week or two ago. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, it, it's also only been four games, you know, and and um, I think there is something to the fact that the Spurs showed up looking nothing like like they did in March, and and the first couple teams that they played didn't really have know what to do with that I think maybe you're seeing in the past I mean they're playing they're playing better teams as well better competition but I think you're seeing in the past couple games um, teams kind of being a little more ready for how to attack what the Spurs are showing them but all that aside yes I mean 
Lonnie Walker's looked looked good. Uh, Keldon Johnson's looked like Bernard King, uh, according to the Spurs TV right, guys. Right. So um, you know, I, it's you're seeing uh, Derek White has been probably the star of the whole yeah. thing of the whole thing for the Spurs. So you're you're seeing that core um, going. You're, you're seeing that core going forward coming together. And as we've mentioned on previous podcasts, you're going to add um, more talent to that through this draft. And you know. There's also they still got some guys kind of waiting in the wings that they've got a Luka Shamanich, which I don't know what he is, um, except for he's super young. And uh, if he turns into something, you know, he could be part of this, too. So you do look at their their youth and um, you see the makings of something where maybe you, you didn't before. Yeah, and, and it's it's different whenever we've talked about over the last couple of years, kind of about the concepts that like the idea of Lonnie Walker as a contributor, the idea of yeah. what it might look like for DeJounte and Derek White to play together, the idea of what Keldon Johnson could be. What we've seen over the last four games is a more tangible kind of rep- representation of what the future of the Spurs might look like. I, th- I think we kind of were imagining it before, and now we can kind of see what they want to try to be. And it's not a perfect team, obviously. And there's still the question of how and if uh, DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge fit into it. But one, I think one, if you're a Spurs fans, fan, one of the encouraging things about this whole bubble restart is you're getting to see what your team uh, might, might be trying to do over the next couple of years as it moves into uh, the next era that we've all been talking about for a while. They're going to need a star, though. The stars still win in the NBA, and I don't know if that comes from somebody that's already on the roster, if that comes from someone you draft, or or where that player comes from. But you do. Well, to, it, it does look like to, you've got a lot of good pieces, but still, probably when you're looking a couple of years down the road, maybe not a centerpiece. To, where to does pull, that person come from? To pull the panel here, and I, I've already given away my feelings on this um, in the past few days, um, but. If there is a star on this roster that ends up becoming a regular all-star in the 2020s, who's that guy, Nick Talbot? All right, right on the spot. Uh, well, you, you've been Johnson. quiet for a while. Yeah. Okay, Keldon Johnson for Nick Talbot. Any explanation? Uh, I just think he fits what the modern-day NBA is looking for in a star more than any other pieces. Just long, athletic. You know, he's shooting better than I thought he would. He's just very active. And I think he fits the mold for what a star in the NBA is a little bit better than, say, a Derek White who's missing a a couple pieces here or a Lonnie Walker who's missing a couple pieces there. I think he fits what can be. But we're still projecting a little bit more on him because we've only seen him for four games where we've seen the other guys a little bit more. Said we haven't seen these guys that much and we were kind of projecting – this lineup together, but outside of everyone, I think we've seen Keldon the least. So maybe he's the easiest one to project because there's still a lot more projection with him. But I, I like Keldon if I'm going to pick someone. I, I, Tom, I'd, I'd go with Keldon too, but I I don't want to go as far as to say a regular All Star. Um, just need to yeah. see. It's a small sample size, and there's a lot of growth that's uh, still needs to take place. But certainly the potential is uh, very very encouraging. Jeff, I mean, how do you not go with Bernard King? I mean, that guy was like a scoring <laughs> champ. It's 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 part of this is the newness of it, 
And you yeah. know, the yeah, for sure. Yeah. College football, the NFL in Texas, they said the most popular guy on the team is the backup quarterback. And Keldon's still kind of that he's the sixth man now. Um and this I mean they're throwing out Bernard King on the broadcast from the from the TV guys who we all know and love and are great. Jeff's just kind of mocking because he loves. I, um, I think that was actually uh, Sean Elliott that made that yes, comparison. Who, who we all mock because we know and love. Um, one role that he could fill, and this is not a apples-to-apple comp- comparison, and this is a Hall of Famer we're talking about. But, I mean, if, if you're going to start this lineup that they're – starting now with the Lonnie Walker, Derek White, and uh, uh, DeJounte Murray together. Um, and Keldon Johnson is going to continue to come off the bench and provide energy, energy and do a lot of things in like a 6'5", six, 6'6 six, six frame. He's, I, I don't want to compare him to a Hall of Famer and the most popular player in Spurs history, but, but if he, he wants to fill some, some version of the Manu Ginobili role, I think that'd be – that's that's kind of what he's shooting for. I mean, to if he could be that guy for them, what a huge huge asset. I mean, maybe that doesn't like Tom. Like Tom said, maybe that doesn't turn him into a regular all star. But Jeff has mentioned this um, even on podcasts prior to the restart. Looking at Keldon Johnson and 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 how he fits in a uniform and just the his NBA red body, like he he's more. Uh, able to withstand some certain things, it seems like, than um, skinny guys like DeJounte Murray and Derek White and Lonnie Walker, who are all immensely talented and they're great. But uh, Kelvin Johnson just seems like a grown man in a way that, that those other uh, draft picks have not in recent years. I'll tell you what, if Kelvin Johnson develops into Bernard King with working ACLs plus Monog- an American Mono Ginobili, I think the Spurs, <laughs> we can say the Spurs won that Kawhi trade. Finally, I mean, what kind of ratings would this podcast get if I said, you know, he, he could he could contribute like a, a, a Malik Rose type numbers or something, you know, something totally uh, uh, blase. I mean, you, you have to shoot for the outlandish. <laughs> that's that's what makes that's what makes money in this podcast game, baby. You need to say ridiculous <laughs> stuff. And, and by the way, like, you know, when, when we're talking about making money for this podcast. Oh subscribe, yeah, subscribe to the to the Spurs Nation newsletter. It is for yes, I'm talking about making money, but for you, the listener, it's absolutely free. You know, you you get Spurs news into your inbox every day from Jeff McDonald, from Tom Ringo Starr Orsborn, all the latest updates, analysis, what have you. And and yes, if you do have a few extra bucks. Uh, just a few extra bucks. Subscribe to ExpressNews.com where you have all your Spurs coverage, sports coverage, coverage of important things going on in the world. You're supporting local news. It's what we need. Yeah, come on. Make this podcast worth something. You're not going to continue to hear me compare guys who played four NBA games who were drafted at the bottom of the first round to Hall of Famers if you don't support us a little bit. If you want more of these outrageous takes, you do your part. Like everyone, like Greg Popovich says, everyone in America needs to do their part <laughs> by taking this pandemic seriously and showing some discipline. Like if you can make a small contribution by supporting local news and this podcast, we would really appreciate it. Listen to Billy Mays over here. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. People want, shameless. Enthusi- people want enthusiasm in podcasts. This is what I've read. They want enthusiasm. 
They want outrageous takes, um, unrealistic comparisons, and they want to hear more about Tom Orsborn's salmon-covered coffee cup and if he has it in his vicinity right now. No, I do not. Uh, it's, it's at another secure location that uh, that is uh, pretty much empty right now. But um, I have yeah. another coffee cup here, Mike, and it's it's uh, it's another one that I cherish. So, well, well, well last thing I'm going to ask you, because I know you have a gig, Ringo. Um, how do how do you think the rest of this restart's going to go? Uh, we're we're basically halfway through it. There've been four yeah. games. There's four games yeah. left. Hope is alive. Is the playoff spot a possibility? Uh, I don't think so. Not looking looking at what's left. Uh, Pelicans, Rockets, Jazz. Uh, it's a it's a tough road. Um, they're acquitting themselves well, but just finishing these games is going to be an issue because of what we pointed out: the rebounding and, and the matchup issues. Yeah, I, I mean it's. Again, we talked about the roller roller coaster. They've been up and down through these first four games of the restart, and and there was a brief moment there where you thought, "Wow, they're going to do it again. They're going to extend the longest postseason streak in uh, basically major professional sports to twenty three years." And now it looks like uh, the odds are against them again. Jeff, you mentioned you had done some, or were going to try to do some research as to the NBA's position on that streak itself and whether qualifying for the play-in game, meaning finishing ninth and then losing that play-in tournament, does that does that qualify as as extending the postseason streak or or does it not? And what's your what's your opinion on that? Uh the the latest um I can read you the latest text I got from uh my guy at the league when I asked him that question. Um, you know, if the Spurs were to make the playoff game, play in game and lose, does that count as extending the playoff uh, uh, streak. The answer is, oh heavens, I don't know. My guess is no. I'll find out, and that's where we've left. <laughs> I, I think it's, but I would it probably I would say, it probably shouldn't, right? I would say it should not. No, this is yeah. a one-off thing. I mean, people have made the comparison to like the NCAA tournament that now has play play-in games, and those teams are allowed to count that as a tournament appearance. Yeah, and that's yeah. fine yeah. for those teams, but that that's all. That's also become a an annual fixture of the NCAA tournament. This is a one-off thing in the middle of a pandemic that's never going to happen again. And it would just be kind of, it would just, it would be cheating in my opinion. Another, another difference there, not to get too far into the weeds, but a lot of those teams that go to the the NCAA tournament playoff games actually won their conference and just got pushed into it and would have made it anyway. So it's kind of a different, it's apples and oranges there. But, but my, my feeling on it is the, the, the playoffs are, the playoffs start when eight plays one, yes. you know, and, and, and nine versus eight, that's not really the playoffs. Also they're, even if they get into that, they're guaranteed to have finished the season with the losing record teams with losing records do make the NBA playoffs, but this, this wasn't presented as a goal before the season started. It wasn't a possibility then it was just thrown into it in the middle of all this. And I don't think, I don't think the Spurs would want to hold on to a streak that came with that huge of a, asterisk anyway it's always kind of been just something the outsiders talk about they don't go around yeah. putting signs on their arena saying 22 consecutive playoff appearances um it, the streak is still amazing no matter what but i i think for it to truly be prolonged they need to be in that 
eight versus one series. Right. The point of the play in is to make the playoffs. And if you don't win the play you in, go. then you're not in the playoffs. And so therefore the streak, it gets semantic when you will, but, but could you call it a postseason game, not a playoff game, but a postseason game. And then now you've, you've extended your string of postseason streaks to 23. Even if you've not extended your string of playoff streaks to 23, it becomes very semantic. If you want to, um, you know, fans want to go that route, but my, 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 Opinion is no. Do not count that. It's- well, I think this has just been a, a great podcast because there's been enthusiasm, there have been controversial takes, and then we finish it with semantics, which is what all reader listeners love, is a discussion about semantics of like uh, playoff verbiage. And so... <laughs> and so uh, what I love is having to set an alarm to do a podcast. That's what I like to do. I think it's it's you're more productive when you get up earlier. It's, I mean, I'm gonna go. I, I don't. I did not have my polar pop because I don't need the caffeine. Because I'm gonna go back to sleep after this. Okay. Well, uh, I, I appreciate everybody involved in this podcast. For no, for, you don't. For, don't be disingenuous. For, for for honoring Ringo's schedule here by by getting this out there for our listeners who want to contribute, who want to be part of this, who want to who want to just support great products like this and the, the, the actual good work that people, the other part of our newsroom is doing that actually means something. And so thank you all for listening. Thank you all for subscribing. And uh, until we see you next week, take care of each other and keep it real.